The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Nazir has been dedicated by our good friend Jaime and Dina Dana. Hashem Yishmirem v'chayim. Fatzlacha for all their children that they should be mechunach alpi toratenu akedusha. They should grow up and they should be zochel the Torah or mitzvot or chupa or maasim tovim ubefrat for Ashkelema for Moshe ben Dina. אין נא רפאנה לו בתוך שאר חולי עמו ישראל, וגם רפואה שלמה, פנינה, בת אסתר. אין נא רפאנה לה, אין נא רפאנה לה, אין נא רפאנה לה, רפואת הנפש ורפואת הגוף, ורפואתה כרבה לבוא וכן ירסון ונאמר אמן בזכות המסכת נזיר יגן באדם אמן. דף ס"ד. Today's דף is being studied. לעילו נשמת מורזקני רבי יוסף בן שרה. ורבי אברהם בן אסתר, רוח השם תניחם בגן עדן, אמן. Today's daf is being studied, רפואה שלמה, שרה רוחמה בת רחל, ושרה בת רחל, ומשה בן דינה, אל נא רפאנה להם רפואת הנפש ורפואת הגוף, ורפואתם קרבה לבו, וכן ירסום ונאמר אמן. We begin today's daf on daf סמך גימל עמוד בית, and we are one, two, three, four lines from the bottom. Let's uh, review where we're holding in our Mishnah. Our Mishnah was telling us about uh, a situation of two types of Tum'ah. One type of Tum'ah is called Tum'ah Yidu'ah, and one type is called Tum'at Hatehum. Tum'ah Yidu'ah was talking about a case where the, uh, the it's corpse Tum'ah, talking about where there's a met, and the corpse is, let's say, uh, floating in the water. The fellow went down to the mikveh to dip, or he went down, let's say, to cool himself off, and uh, he didn't see the corpse, but there was a corpse there, and he has a safek if maybe he was ma'ahil over it, maybe he ho- hovered over it, and the law is he's going to be tameh. Like the regular rule that says, safek tum'ah birshut ayahid safeko tameh. That if there's a safek of Tumah in the private domain, misafek we say Tameh, in a case where the Tumah is Yidu'ah, where the Tumah is known. However, we did say there's another type of Tumah that's called Tumah Tatehom. Whereas Tumah Tatehom, we said that if, let's say, the Met was in the crevices of the, of the cave, it was buried in, where nobody is able to recognize it. It's not recognizable to him or to anybody else in the world for that matter. So that is called a tum'at ha-tehom. So we said that there's different uh, leniencies regarding tum'at ha-tehom. Now, the, uh, that was the Mishnah's case. The Mishnah's case was of tum'ayya du'a again, where a corpse was floating uh, in the water or a kezayit of the mit was floating in the water. So comes the Gemara now and analyzes. Safa ena Now, let's review. There's a type of tum'at that is called tum'at sheretz. The Torah lists eight different creatures. Uh, they're like uh, crawling creatures, we'll call them. Sheretzim. That when they die... 
So they are able to be mitameh. So therefore we discuss now a case where let's say you have one of these dead shiratzim that was floating in the water. Which means, just like we said, in the case of Tumat Mit, where there was a corpse, so now we want to discuss what's the law of a shiritz. The same case, guy goes down into the waters, and there's a shiritz this time, a dead shiritz floating, and we want to know, did he come in contact with it? Now we have to point that out. Shiritz is not mitameh be'ohel. Shiritz is not mitameh if you hovered over it. A shiritz is mitameh benigi'ah. So the sefek is, when he went out to the grave, what so did he touch it or not? Or did something touch it or not? For example, the terumah or whatever it is. And we're talking about where the sheritz is floating. So comes the Gemara and says, Safa, if let's say you have a floating tum'ah, regarding a sheritz, it's not going to mitameh. Uh, the Tanya, we learned... Some have here over here the Rosh's Gersa is Ditnan. We have a Mishnah Safik Tum'ah Safa. We have a situation where Tum'ah is floating on the water, and you have a Safik Tum'ah, which means he's not certain if he touched the Tum'ah or not. Okay? Talking about where it's floating in the water, like the case of the Mishnah where the corpse was floating in the water. So it says, Ben Bechelim, Ben Bekarka Tehorah. Tanakama says, whether the water was in a container, you had water, let's say, that was in a container, and the shed is, is floating in that water that's in the container, or it's in the karaka, regular ditch in the ground, and there's water in the ground, and the shed is floating. Regardless, in both cases, if there's a sefek tum'ah on a shed that is floating, no matter where it's floating, the law is tehorah, which means... Even though we have a law, sefek tumah birshut yahid, tameh, that if you have a sefek of tumah in the private domain, we usually mahmir, we say tameh, but not by floating tumah of the sheritz. And I don't care where the, where it's floating, it's floating in the ground, I mean there's water in the ground, or it's floating in a vessel, and there's a sefek, if somebody touched it, sefeko tahor. The bishom onomer, bishom says no, bekelim temeah. He makes a look. If the water was in a container and the shedit was floating in the water that was in the container, then, and you have a sefek if the guy touched it or not, but if it's in karka, if the water is in the ground, so it's going to be tehora. So now the Gemara is going to explain the logic here. What's the reason of Tanakama that says that floating shedits? Is never mitameh, meaning misafek, whether it's in a keli of floating water, floating in the water, or it's in the ground. So Gibra says, Amar b'yitzhak bar avudimi ketiv. It says in the Torah, Bechol hasheret hasheretz. That talks about the Tumar sheretz. It says, on any uh, crawling creature that crawls. Bechol hasheretz, sheretz hasheretz. Kol makom shu shoretz. From that pasuk, it sounds like anywhere it crawls. I don't care if it's crawling on the ground. I don't care if it's crawling in the water. It's mashma that uh, it's going to be mitameh. However, there's another pasuk that says uchtiv al haaris. But another pasuk says no on the ground, which is mashma dafka on the ground. It's mitameh, but not in let's say another place. So how do we reconcile? Is it mitameh everywhere or not? 
Ha-Ketzad, Vadai Magao Tameh. Which means if you definitely came in contact with the Sheritz, a guy definitely touched the Sheritz, I don't care where it is. Whether it's on the floating water, or whether it's on the uh, ground uh, uh, crawling, that doesn't matter. Vadai Naga is going to be Tameh. However, Safek Magao Tahor. But in a case we have a sefek, like our case that we're discussing, where you're not sure if you touched it or not, it is sefek magal, so indeed it is going to be tahor in all floating water, where the water is in a vessel, where the water is in the ground. So Tanakama learns his shita, and he reconciles the two pesukim. Vada, if he definitely touched it, it's tame anywhere. However, sefek magal is not going to be uh, tame. In the waters. Okay, it doesn't matter where the waters are. Okay, now we go to the Bishimon. Now let's review the Bishimon Shita. He made a Hiluk. He said, floating in water that's in a vessel, so then already Sefeko Tame. However, water that's in the ground, Sefeko Tahor. So the Gemara says, Bishimon, my Ta'ama, what's his logic? Amar Uda. Kitiv, we have one pasuk that says, Ach ma'yan. This is talking about over here, uh, that if a person, let's say, there's a sheritz in a spring, spring of water. So it says, the law is, it'll be tahor. If the sheritz is in a spring. However, uchtiv, but we have another pasuk that says, Yitma, that indeed it'll be tameh. So we have a question. Uh, make up your mind. Is it going to be Tahor or Tameh in the water? Which means the, the complete Pasuk says, Ach Ma'yan Ubor Mikveh Ma'yim Yetahor Actually, it's all one Pasuk. So the first part of the Pasuk is Mashma, that if a Sheritz is floating in water, Ma'yan Ubor, it's floating in the water, and obviously it's talking about a case of Safek, because if it's Vadai, I don't care where it is. And it's sefek, so it's going to be tahor. And then at the end of the pasuk, it says yitma. So make up your mind, is a sheritz metame in the floating water? Yes or no? So what I said, how do you square off the beginning of the pasuk and the end of the pasuk? Safa bechelim tame. Indeed, if it's floating in the water, and the water is in a container, then it is going to be tame. Bekarka tahor. But if it's floating in the water, the ground, so then it's going to be so that's the Hiluk that he makes, which means, let's say the water is floating in a man-made container, so then already it has the ability to be tameh, if a person has a safik, safik naga, safik lo naga. However, if it's in the karka, it's going to be tahor, if he has a safik. Okay. That makes sense because the beginning of the pasuk talks about a a, a board, a pit, or mayana spring. Then it'll be tahor because that's in the ground, that's natural. However, it's in a man-made item, it's going to be tamir. So that's the machlokin tanakama and rabbi shimon. So you're learning a new hadush today. You're learning a new concept that floating sheritz. According to one shita, if it's floating in the water and is a safik naga, nothing. There's no deen of sheritz in the water misafik. According to the Bishimon, no, there is a deen of safik uh, sheritz in the water, but only in a man-made vessel. However, if it's in a uh, the ground, then it'll be tahor misafik. And now the Gemara goes on to more laws of floating tum'ah. Tanu Rabbanan, 
We have a brayta. Kol hanitalin vehanigrarim. Okay, you have a, let's say a source of tumah. Let's talk for practical purposes. Again, you have a sheretz <coughs> that's being carried, and by human being is carrying the sheretz vehanigrarim, or he's dragging it. Okay, either. <coughs> Either case, let's say he was dragging a, a dead sheretz. Now, and what happens if Let's say there was a question whether it touched something. As the guy's walking, he's dragging the item. So it's a she'ela, did the sheretz touch an item on the way of his dragging or not? So the deen is sefeqan tameh. Mepene, the Gemara gives the reason. Mepene shehen kemunahin. Because it's as if they are resting, which means like this. The Tosafot over here explains that we're talking about, again, something that's floating in the water. For example, he says, let's say you have a guy that's standing in the water, and his friend is holding onto a sheditz, and he's lowering down the sheditz, okay, into the water. So, But bottom line, he's holding the sheditz this uh, guy, as he's lowering it down. And is the safik if it touched the guy in the water or not? Normally we say, safik floating, safik uh, saf, if it's floating, the sheritz we say really, safik tahor. But this is not considered floating anymore. Because since it's being held, since there's a human being holding it, so even part of it that's floating doesn't matter. It's considered kimunah, it's considered resting, and therefore... It's not considered the law of floating tum'ah. Floating tum'ah is only when mamash, the whole thing is floating. It's not being held by anybody. But in this case over here, where it's either being dragged or it's being carried, so a human being is holding it, so therefore it's going to be tameh misafek, which means the regular law applies. Safek tum'ah birshut yahid the point of this line of the Gemara is that when a human being is holding it, it does not have the rule of floating Tum'ah. So comes the Gemara and says, But let's say the source of Tum'ah was thrown in the air. Right? He took the Sheretz, the dead Sheretz, that is, and he threw it. Now, as it's flying, it could have touched something. So you have a Safik, if a flying Sheretz that was airborne, if it has the ability to be tameh, so it says, That's going to be tahor. And what's the logic? Because bottom line, at the time that you have your sefik, it's not, doesn't have any, nobody's holding it. It's no different than a floating tum'ah. Just like a floating tum'ah, you said that does not be tameh. So to a, an airborne tum'ah, the hadushas, even though it started in the hands of a human being, but bottom line, when he threw it, he, he left it, left his hands. So therefore, if it's flying, and you have a sefik, if it touched anything while it was airborne, so it's going to be tahor, just like the deen of floating tum'ah. Now, even if it's in a private domain, which is normally sefikot tahor, excuse me, even though it's sefikot tameh, in this case, it's going to be tahor. However, the Braita continues, Hutz min kezayit hamit. Except for, let's say, a kezayit of a mit, which means, if let's say you have a kezayit of mit, of a corpse, let's say, that's uh, hovering directly over an object. Okay, that's oil. So directly over the object, so the object is going to become tamit. For that matter, let's say somebody threw 
a kezayit of a corpse. He threw it. And as he threw it, it's a safik if it was ma'ahil over an item. It's a safik if it hovered over an item. So we're going to say sefeko tamet, meaning the law of floating tum'ah does not apply. The floating tum'ah leniency only applies to a sheritz. Okay? A sheritz, its tum'ah is only through touching. And we see the Torah discussed floating tum'ah specifically by a sheritz. However, there's no deen of floating tum'ah by a corpse. A corpse is not only metameh b'magat, it's also metameh b'oel. And therefore the law is going to be, if let's say a person threw a kezayit of a mit, right? And you have a safek now, even in the, uh, yeah, you have a safek if it hovered over something or not, sefeko tameh, which basically is saying the law of floating tum'ah does not apply by a kezayit of a mit, or for that matter... Which means, let's say the opposite case. Let's say you have something that's tahor, that was that that was ma'ahil over uh, tum'ah. For example, you th- instead of throwing the uh, corpse, you threw the tahor item. Uh, pick a case, you threw a, a fruit or some sort, whatever it may be, and as you threw it, so the safek is, did it hover over the corpse? The corpse was resting. On the ground. The question is, when you threw the Tahor item, did it hover? So a sefek in that case also is going to be sefeko tameh. Again, so it's either whether you threw the corpse or you threw the object. Either way, if you have a sefek that it was mahil, either the tum'ah was mahil over the Tahor item, or the Tahor item was mahil over the tameh item, in both cases, sefeko is going to be tameh. Now, comes the Gemara and continues and says, And for that matter, any item that contaminates from above as from below. What is that exactly talking about? So the Gemara says, To come and include the law of Zav and Zava. Now we know a zav, or a zava, or for that matter, a nida. All these ladies have secretions, or men, for that matter, have secretions from their body. The secretions indeed are metamevem, uh, and a zav is metamev, not only bimagat, not only if he touches uh, somebody, but a zav is also metamev tum'ah menemala kelemata. What does that mean? Let's say you have a pile of uh, mattresses of some sort. And let's say the Zav is touching or leaning on the bottom mattress. So the law is all the mattresses on top, all the stuff that's, that's on that bottom mattress also is going to become Tameh. That's Tum'ah Milemata. Now, the opposite is also true. Let's say there's a boulder on top of the top mattress of some sort. And let's say he sits on the boulder, all the mattresses beneath him are also going to become to me, even though he doesn't touch. Only he's only touching the bottom or the top, everything in between becomes tamir. So therefore, uh, the law is going to be that, uh, for that matter, if let's say uh, there's going to be astringencies, which means there's no leniency of tum'ah uh, floating. Uh, by a, uh, a zav, which means you have a safek, if the zav uh, touched it, or 
uh, uh, yeah, if, the, if the Zab touched it or not. So the, the stringency only applies actually we're coming to now a, a, a Sheritz. That's the uh, bottom line. Which means anytime you can have a Safik, Safik is going to be Tameh. <coughs> Again, so the, the rule really is over here that it comes out, if you want to crystallize here, that we have different types of Tum'ah over here. We have Tum'at Maga, that's the Tum'ah of Sheritz. You have Tum'at Ohel, that's the Tum'at of Emet. And you have a different type of Tum'at that we're learning now, Milmala Lemata, that's Tum'at Vizav, where it's not a Tum'at Maga either, which you don't have to actually touch it, it just touches one item and all the other items become Tameh. So the basic rule is only by Tum'at Maga are we going to have leniencies of Safik Tum'at Bereshut Yahid Safikot Tahor. Right? And that's going to be the uh, leniency when it's floating, right, on water. But that's a deen only said by Sheret, which is a type of Tum'at Maga. However, on other types of Tum'at that are metameh be'ohil, or uh, a Zab is metameh in a different way, this milmala milimata item, where you touch the bottom and everything on top becomes tameh, or vice versa. So these items over here do not have the leniency of Safik, uh, Tzifikot Tahor, the contrary. These items are going to be Tzifikot Tameh. That is going to be the rule. So basically the Gemara is giving us a Hadushim really by Tum'at Sheretz. And the Hadush would be that by Tum'at Sheretz, the law is going to be Sefeko Tahor. Right? Sefeko Tahor, even in Rishut Hayahid. Good. And that would be also, for that matter, uh, even if it was thrown, let's say, in the air. Something airborne also is like uh, floating, right? There's no human beings holding and things like that. It's going to be tahor as well. Okay, now the Gemara discusses some questions. Rami Barhama. Rami Barhama is a she'ila like this. Met bichli. Interesting case. Let's say you have a met, I don't know, you have a kazayit of a met, it's in a container, okay? It's floating in a container. Ukhli saf al hamayim. And the container is floating on the water. Right? You got the case? You have a kezayit of a met in a container. And the container is floating on the water. So the she'ira is like this. Now, we're not discussing tumat ohel over here. Okay? Because we know, we learned already. If a guy goes out to the mikveh, he has a safek. If he was ma'ahil over the item, over the met, so for sure we said tzafeko tameh. So that, that, that's the case of Tumah that's revealed. So we say Sefekot Tameh. We're discussing over here, he has a Sefek if he touched it. He knows he was not Ma'ahil. It's not the case. He knows he's not Ma'ahil. He went down to the Mikveh, there's a corpse, uh, piece of corpse in a vessel. His Sefek is, did he touch it or not? So the Gebarah says, well, what's the Sefek? Ma'u. Batad Kli Azlinan. Do you go after the container? Now, if you go after the container... So bottom line, the container is floating. So this would be considered floating tum'ah. So floating tum'ah by nigi'ah. Again, just like by sheritz, we were lenient by tum'at maga'ah, by floating. So if you go after the vessel, so the vessel is floating in the water. So therefore, this is considered floating tum'ah. In relevance to tum'at maga'ah, because it's a thick as if he touched the corpse or not, so this will be tahor. Or do you go 
after the corpse. And since bottom line, the corpse is resting, not on the water, the, the, the corpse is resting on the vessel. So that's considered resting. It's not considered floating on the water. So therefore I could say that it's going to be Tameh, which means that would be the case that if we be, let's say, Safek Tum'ah Bershuti Yahid Bishafeko Tameh, which means the She'ela is over here, just to crystallize again. The guy went out to the Megveh. There's a corpse Tum'ah in a vessel. The vessel is floating on the water. He has a Safek that he touch it or not. So what's, what's this going to be based on? Well, if you're going to tell me that it's considered floating in the water, if you go after the vessel, well, the vessel's floating in the water. So therefore, it's safik, tum'ah, in the case of magak, where it's floating, so the law is tahor. However, if you look at it from the corpse aspect, the corpse is resting in the vessel. We don't look at it resting in the water. The corpse is resting on the vessel. So that's considered uh, safik, bereshut yachit tamem. That was his question. So now the Gemara goes a little further. Right? If you want to say that you don't go after the Kli, which means, and you're going to consider it what? Which means you're not going to go after the Kli, and therefore you're going to go after the uh, Tum'ah itself, and therefore it's considered resting. And if it's considered resting in the Kli, it's not considered resting on the water. You're not going to go after the, the, the vessel. You go after the meat, the mit. And since the mit is resting on the keli, so that's considered not floating, therefore you're going to be mahmir. Okay, question number two. Mit al sheritz mahu. What about a case where you have, let's say, a mit, like a kazayat of a mit, floating on top of a sheritz. The mit is on top of a sheritz, and they are both floating in the water. Now, kevan de haitum at erev, ve haitum at shivra, keman de machta tum abichlidamia. Since the tumah vesheritz only renders the person tamir till the evening, but whereas the tumah of a corpse renders him tamir for seven days, so maybe you will consider, since they're different items, so therefore we'll consider it like tumah in a keli. We'll look at the sheritz as a keli. And the uh, mit that's on top of it is resting in the uh, keli, because since they have different degrees of uh, tumah, and therefore, just like you told me above, when you have a corpse in a vessel, it's not considered floating tumah. So I'll say when you have a corpse on a sheritz, since there are different degrees of tumah, it's considered like a uh, corpse in a keli, and therefore it's not going to have din of. Din of floating, and this is going to be tamei mesafek. Odilma tumas michtahi. Odi, you look at it that even though there are different types of tumah, one is tumat met and one is tumat sheretz. That bottom line, since they're on top of each other, we look at it as one large mass that's floating, and therefore it's considered floating. And therefore, if you have a sefek, if you touch it, sefekot tahor, right? You might be able to look at it as this one item of tumah albeit uh, different degrees, and therefore it could be metameh, excuse me, therefore it will be tahor, because it's considered floating, and therefore we have a sefek when it's floating, sefek magai's tahor. Okay, well, it continues. And if you want to come and tell me, keman de tum'a and if you want to tell me that what? 
it's considered as if it's placed in a keli, meaning this corpse tumah that's on the shed is considered in a keli, and therefore we're going to rule that it's considered in a keli, it's not considered tumat safa, not considered floating tumat, it's going to be tameh. Next question. Sheretz al gabe nevela. You have a nevela, that's an animal that wasn't uh, slaughtered properly. A nevela also exudes tumah. You have a sheretz uh, resting on a nevela, nevela safa, and the nevela is floating. Now, kevan de tarvayu tumat erev inun. Now, these over here have the same degree of tumah, which means they're both metameh for a day, and tumat erev, you just cross the mikveh in the evening. So, since they're the same level of tumah, I could argue tumah simichtahi. This is considered, let's say, uh, a thick mass of tumah. And therefore, it's considered floating tumah. If we have a safek, safek is going to be tahor. Or dilma, or maybe I'll tell you another different. Hai kezayit, the hai ka'adasha. Which means, a nevela is only metameh, a kezayit's worth. However, a, a sheretz is metameh even by an adasha. The safek in this case is, since they have the, both the same degree, Meaning, a sheret is metameh for one day, as well as a nevela. So then, even though they're resting on each other, I don't look at it as it's resting in a keli. I look at it as one large mass that's resting on the water. Now, the guy that goes in the water that has a sefik, did he touch this mass since it's floating? What's the law of floating tumar in regard to tumat maga? Sefeko tahor. So that's the question in that case. And all the other side is no. You're right. They might have the same d- degree of tum'ah, meaning in duration, how long the tum'ah lasts, but the size of the tum'ah is different. One is metameh, that is the nevela is metameh only on the shirut of a kezayit, where the tum'ah of a shirut is metameh even the size of a uh, adasha alentil. That's the Gemara's question. So now the Gemara goes another step. Shirut al mahu. Which means, let's say you have one sheretz on top of another sheretz. Now, they're totally equal. They're equal in the tum'ah degree. They're equal in the size. So this is, Hani vadai had shi'uraninu. Which means they both have the same shi'ur. Uh, and therefore, the chaurat should be considered just one thick mass. And therefore, if you have a sefek, it's considered sefek of floating. Uh, floating tum'ah. Therefore, it should be ta'or. Or dilma kevan de mifseke lo. Or do you argue that no, you can't consider them a single mass? Why? Because they are separate from each other. Bottom they're two different shiratsim. And therefore, since they're two different shiratsim, they're different bodies. So it could be, you have to look at them separately. You don't look at it as if it's floating. Look at it as, you don't look at it as one item that's floating on the water. So the Gebra says, And if you want to come and tell me, Sheretz al gabe Sheretz, when you have a Sheretz on a Sheretz that's floating in the water, since they are separate from each other, they're two different bodies. For the top shed, it's considered that's resting in a keli. Therefore, it's not considered floating tum'ah. Therefore, sefekotameh. Let's say you have sheretz that's on top of a nevela that deteriorated, which means the bottom nevela is all now, it's, uh, it's all soft. It's all, nevela normally is a piece of meat. But we're talking about it, let's say it all deteriorated now, and the she'ela is the she'eretz is on top of this deteriorated nevela. It's 
it's on top to what's, what's the she'ela, what's the sefik. Kevan dinimuha havyalem mashke. Oh, since it starts to deteriorate the bottom item, so already it's, it's liquidy. Since it's liquidy, maybe you consider it like water. So therefore the bottom is like water, so therefore the thing is like floating in the water. Which means till now we're saying a shed, it's on a shed, it's okay, maybe you'll tell me it's two different entities, therefore the bottom item is considered like a, the, 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 is a keli, the top shed is resting on a keli, not on the water. But let's say the bottom item the is like water. How can it be like water? It's all soft and deteriorated. Therefore, if the bottom has a dean of water, so therefore, I'll say what? It's considered floating. Meaning the shed is floating in the water. I don't care if there's a nevela over there. The nevela is not going to be like a head sick because it's, it's water itself. Or do you say, hey, it's not water, bottom line. I don't care if it's liquidy. Bottom line, where was it derived from? From food. The nevela is food. And therefore, I don't care if the shed is not a, a nevela that's deteriorating. It's going to be considered floating on the nevela and not on the water. Therefore, sefeko The intim And if you're going to want to be mahmir and say, well, we're going to treat it like food. Because even though it's liquidy, this item, this nevelah, but since it emanated from food, you're going to treat it like food, and therefore the sheritz is on top of this item. It's not considered floating on the water, it's floating on the nevelah. al mahu. Okay, next case. You have sheritz that's floating on zera. Okay, we know the zera is the, the, the semen of a human being also is metameh, has the ability to be metameh. Uh, it's the same degree as a sheritz as well, meaning it's tumah just for one uh, for one night tumatayrim. So the question is, that's mamash liquid. That's that's that doesn't start off as a food. So therefore, could be you'll consider the sheritz that's on the shikvat zera is really considered floating on the water. And if you're going to come along and say that bottom line, since it came from the body. So therefore, it's considered as a deen of ochen. That doesn't mean since it came from the body. So the Mephashim explain over here, Legabeh, let's say, Shekhvat uh, the body produces it. So since it's produced by the body, it's not just a regular liquid, it's produced by the body, as, as opposed to, let's say, Meraglaim, urine, that's mamash liquid, it's stored in the body, when it stores up and it's expelled. So that's considered a liquid, but something that's maybe produced, so therefore maybe we don't look at it like a liquid. Maybe we look at it as like a, like a solid. That's the point. Meaning it's different than meraglayim. Meraglayim is collected in the bladder, the way he's explaining it, and therefore, okay, it's a liquid that's expelled. Mashikini, the body produces it. So maybe a produced item from the body is not considered like a regular liquid. And therefore, if the shed is on the shikvat zera, it's not going to be considered floating on water. Therefore, So the Kibbutz says, Sheritz al gabe mehatat. Let's say you have the Sheritz resting on the waters of the Hatat. What is that? Which means, um, when you're making the Para Aduma, they would take the ashes of the Para Aduma and they would mix it into waters. Okay? These waters were considered mehatat. Now, Let's talk about these waters. It's not regular water, because obviously they're a little thicker in consistency, these waters, because they have the ash in it, the ash of the paraduma. So since these waters are a little thick, so you might not consider the water of mehatat water, because it has a thicker consistency. Now, if you don't consider it like water, that means the shed is not floating on water. 
the shiritz is resting. Oh, it's a fake maga. Tameh. Mashi'enkin, if you can consider it like water, so it's, it's floating tuma. Floating tuma by a sheritz is safik taur. So the Kabbalah says, sheritz al-gabe mehatat, mehatat tzfin al-gabe hamayim mahu. And the Kabbalah says, lo yad'inan, we don't know the answer to any of these questions, and therefore the Kabbalah leaves all these questions in a teku, which means we have to wait for Eliyahu and Navi in order to Answer these questions. And the Gemara continues. Amar Rav Hamenuna, Nazir veOse Pesach, Shehalchu bekever hatehom b'shvi'i shelahem tehorim. We learned in the previous Mishnayot a subject called kever hatehom. What does that mean? That is a kever, that is a grave that is buried in the ground or somewhere that nobody knows about it. It's not revealed to anybody in the world. The Gemara gave an example of a corpse that was buried in the walls of a me'ara, of a cave. And therefore, it's not noticeable or recognizable to anybody. And the Gemara gave certain leniencies regarding somebody that comes in contact with kever at tehom. And now the Gemara explains some of those leniencies. Rabbi Minuna said, Nazir, what's the case of a Nazir? We're talking about a Nazir that accepted upon himself in Nizirut. However, he became Tameh. How did he become Tameh? Again, with Kevir Tehom. What happened? He became Tameh, and then uh, he started his uh, seven-day process to become Tahor, because he has to recount his Nizirut again. He started his seven days, he got sprinkled on the third day, he got sprinkled on the seventh day. And then what happened, on the seventh day of his Tahara process, unbeknownst to him, without him knowing it, he became Tameh to the Kever Tehom. Which means he was in a certain area wherever he was, maybe when he went down to the Mikveh, whatever it may be, there was a uh, Kever over there that he didn't know about. Now, since it was unbeknownst to him, he started counting his Nizirut again. The 30 days, he has to go further, 30 days out. When he came to the end of his Nizirut, and wants to bring his Kurbanot and everything, all of a sudden he finds out, oh, what do you mean, I was, I was met Tameh. On my seventh day of my purification, of my Nazir B'Tum'ah, he now recognized that indeed he was with So Rabbi Minunah is talking about such a case. Or for that matter, someone is bringing Qurban Pesach. And he realizes that on the seventh day, again he was Tameh, purified himself. On the seventh day, which was, he was now going to bring the Qurban Pesach, which was Ere Pesach, he realized that he became Tameh, and he brought the Qurban Pesach. So he wants to know now, can he eat it or not? So the Qurban Pesach, Amar Rabbi Minunah, Nazir, Ve'oseh Pesach, Shalchu Tehorim. Indeed, they are going to be Teorim, which means Keferatum does not render them Temeim. Let's read the Rosh. The Rosh is on the right side in the margin. The Rosh begins, Amar of Menunam. So about uh, ten lines down in Peru, Sharosh. Amar of Menunam, Nazir, Veoseh Pesach Shalchu, Bekeferatum, Bezayin Shalem. Kegon, gives you the case. Nazir Shinitma. Everybody Nazir became Tameh. Vehiza Veshana. And he got Hazaah twice. Hazaah means he was sprinkled with the Paraduma twice on the third day and on the seventh day. Vetaval. And he went to the Mikveh. Ubo Bayom Abar Al Kevel at Tehom. And on that day, which is the seventh day was purification process, he got Tameh from the Kevel at Tehom situation. Velo no Darlo Achishlim Niziruto. And he didn't realize it until he finished his Nizirut, meaning 30 days later. Vevi Korbenotav. And actually brought his Korbanot, which is he brought the Korbanot of the Niziruch. And Nazir, after he finishes his process, he has to bring his Korbanot. So the deed is Eno Soter. 
even though he's Tamer, normally a person becomes Tamer ben Nizirut, it's sorted his own Nizirut, which means he has to restart the Nizirut from scratch. They got Tamer, he has to start again. Here he does not have to. So comes the Gemara and says... I'm reading again from the top line. I'm not even now. Nazir ve'oseh pesach shalchu bekevra teom b'shivyei shleim teorim. My tama. What's the reason? Delo alima tumata teom lemistar, which means the uh, power of tumata teom does not have the strength to be sotet, which means the hakamim were not strict on kevra teom. This type of tumah that was unbeknownst to anybody to be sotet the. Nizirut comes again. What are you talking? Mativ Rava Rava is a question from Mishnah. Yarad itaher mitumat tamet tamet shaheskat tamet tamet shaheskat taor taor. Rava is a question on the Menunah from Mishnah. We have a general rule that says somebody that has a hazaka of tumah, which means his status is tamet met. For example, let's say a person came in contact with corpse tumah, and then he went down to the mikveh to dip. And in the mikveh there was tum'at tehom. There was kevet tehom, which means there was a tum'at that was buried in the cave over there. So in that case, over there we say that kevet tehom is going to be mitameh. Why? Because since his status was tum'at met, since his hazaka was tum'at met, the tum'at tehom has an ability to mitameh somebody that's hazaka was hazkat tameh already. So the Gemara's question is over here. Once you're telling me your Ruth Mishnah that if somebody has a hazkat tameh, tum'at met, kevet tehom is which means it has the ability to metamem. So the question then is, in this case that you just gave me, Rav Menuna, the guy was talking about a nazir. The guy became tamemet. He made hazaa and shlishi v'shivii. Then you tell me he got he got the tamem with uh, kevin at home with the uh, kevin at home, and you tell me he's tahor. What are you talking about? He has hazkat tamem. For person has hazkat tamem. Kevin at home is able to metamem. The question from our Mishnah. So comes Gavran says again. I read inside. Matid question A guy went out to dip from tumatmet tamet. The tumah is going to remain on him, which means the kever at home that he went into is going to be tamem. Shaiskat tamet tamem veshaiskat taot taor. Amar le so Rabbi Menurah comes along and says modin adach benazir shemehusar tiglachat, which means I agree to you. In the case where the Nazir did not yet shave yet. What does he mean when he says Modin Alach? Look at the uh, Rosh on the right margin again. Amale Abaye Modin Alach Benazir Shemehusat Tiglachat. Which means the Nazir at the end of his process he takes a haircut. He has to shave his hair off. That's obvious. It says Hilkach. Afilu Tabal Kevan de Mehusar Tiglachat. Which means if let's say the guy went to the Mikveh at the end of his process. At the end of his uh, 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 situation, he goes to the mikveh. However, it's before he did not take his haircut. Which means like this. We're talking about a case, Rabbi Minunah, that is, where the guy was Tamer, he was an Azir, he became Tamer, he had to wait seven days. Then on the seventh day, he went to the McVeigh. Now, normally, what you do is you go to the McVeigh, you take a haircut, and you restart your Nizirut again. So he's saying, when did the guy become Tamer with Tiberatom? After already he took his haircut. So already he finished his uh, Hazkat Tum'ah. So since he finished his Hazkat Tum'ah, so therefore, Kevratum is not going to be them going forward. Now we started 30 days. If after 30 days, they was, oh, you know, on day 7, when you were purifying yourself, you became Tameh. When did, you, when did it become Tameh? After the haircut. Well, after the haircut, already had Hazkat Tahara. 
because that's the end of the seven-day process. Normally when a Nazir becomes to me, what does he do? He has to get sprinkled on the third day, and he has to get sprinkled on the seventh day. He goes to the mikveh, and he takes a haircut. Once he takes his haircut, for practical purposes, he has now a haskat tahara. And therefore, if he becomes tameh from Kevin at home at that point over there, we have the regular leniency, haskat tahara, tahara. And therefore, even if he counts 30 days now for his new nazirut, and he realizes at the end of his nazirut, oh, I was tameh on day seven, doesn't matter. Since already haskat was tahara. Oh, but what's Amishnah talking about? Amishnah is talking about a different case. It's talking about where, let's say it was day seven, and he became Tawad in the but he didn't take his haircut yet. Since he didn't take his haircut, he's still connected to the Tum'ah, and therefore it's considered Haskat Tum'ah, and therefore if he gets Tamim, he came to Tum'ah, Haskat Tum'ah, Tum'ah, and therefore it's going to be Mittamim. So basically, he's answering for Rabbi Menunah, and he's telling you it depends at what stage that the Kevin at Tehom did his contact come with the Kevin at Tehom. If it came after the haircut, he already has Tara, so therefore he's Tahor. If it came before the haircut, Haskat is Tum'ah. So comes Gabriel and says, Amar le Rabbah, comes along and says, Af Of course, I agree with you. Pesach, Delo Velo Kelum. So Rabbah comes along and says that I agree to you in the case of Ose Pesach. What does that mean? The guy is going to make a Korban Pesach. So he's lacking nothing, which means he was Tameh. He got dipped on the third day and the seventh day of his purification process. He went to the Mikveh. So he says, I agree with you. For a similar case of a Korban Pesach, all you, you don't need a haircut for Korban Pesach. All you need is a Mikveh on the seventh day of your purification process. So therefore he went to the Mikveh. So therefore he says, I agree with you. Which means if you're telling me that your, your case is talking about it was after the haircut, so then uh, that's an obvious case. It's very, very uh, similar to a case of Korban Pesach where a person needs to be Korban Pesach. He became Tameh Met before him. What happened? On the seventh day of his, uh, of his purification process, he went to the mikveh like he's supposed to, and then uh, subsequently he became Tameh with Kevin at Tehom. So since in that case over there, also he's considered Hezkat Tahor, because he, he's lacking nothing. He, he, he went to the mikveh, just like by a Nazir, by mikveh and haircut, you're lacking nothing now, so too by a Quran Pesah on the seventh day, when he goes to the mikveh, he's lacking nothing, and therefore, if he gives Tameh with Kevin at Tehom, he'll be, okay, so comes Kevin and says... Amar le Abaye, Abaye says, wait, not so fast. What are you talking? Even the guy by Kurban Pesach on the seventh day, he's not totally there yet. Even though he went to the Mikveh, he still has to wait to the evening, which means his Tum'ah is pending. Even though he goes to the Mikveh during the seventh day, he needs what's called the Arev Shemesh. Arev Shemesh means he needs to wait until the evening, until sunset, in order to become <coughs> Tahor. So the question of the Gemara is, what are you talking about? I understand by a Nazir, you want to tell me that once he went to the Mikveh to Kaseikat, he's done. Now already he's starting his 30 days again. How could you tell me as a Haskat Tara? Granted he went to the Mikveh, but he's still lacking the waiting until sunset. So the Chaurah, therefore, Haskat should be still Haskat Tum'ah. And if his Haskat is Tum'ah, then already if he became Tameh on that seventh day of Tum'at Tehom, he should become Tameh, should be able to make Korban Pesach. How could you tell me that on the seventh day after you go to the mikveh, he has haskat tahara? He's not finished yet. He starts to wait till the end of Shemesh. That's Abayah's question. So comes to us, Amar Leh, tell him, Shimsha Memela Arba. So now you have no, Shimsha, the sunset comes by itself. It comes Memela. That's, you don't have to do anything for that. You don't need a Ma'aseh. Sunset is just lacking the time. You just need to wait, wait it out. And therefore, since waiting it out does not entail a ma'asir, so therefore he said, that's not considered lacking anything. It's going to come uh, by itself. So if, as long as he went to the mikveh, and the mikveh is telling him ma'asir, that he's got to go to the mikveh. Once he goes to the mikveh, so what are you lacking now? i got to wait till uh, sunset? That's okay. Memela ka'arba. Therefore, it comes automatically. Therefore, it's considered that he has a hazaka of...
Tara comes again with the Af Abaye Hadarbe. Abaye himself retracted from his original thought. Abaye originally thought that if you have to wait for the Arif Shemesh, it's considered yourself a Haskatuma. That's why he asked the question. He said, Oh, you have to wait for the Arif Shemesh. But now we're going to show you that Abaye retracted and he holds that the Arif Shemesh already is considered something that comes from Mela and it was considered automatic. He's going to show you this in a case. Well, you need just a, a, a bit introduction to understand exactly the case that we're going to talk about now. According to the Torah law, if a lady gives birth, so the lady gives birth, let's say, to a girl. So the Torah says, She's Tame'ah for 14 days. After she's Tame'ah for 14 days, normally she would go to the Mikveh, and then she starts a count of 66 days. Which means any blood that comes out of her during those 66 days, that blood is called Deme Tohar. It has not, it does not metameha. And therefore, on day 81, which would be again 14 days, though she's Tameha those days, Mikveh, 66 days of Dam Tohar, after the 66 days, which is on day 81, already she would now bring a Korban. Every Yoledit has to bring a Korban, so she would bring the Korbanot on day 81. She has a status, incidentally, for those 66 days, the Gemara refers to her as a Tivul Yom Aruch. Since she went to the Mikveh on the 14th already, right? So she has to wait until technically the sunset of the 80th day. And on the 80th day, once sunset comes, now she's legal to bring her Korbanot on day 81. Normally a Tivul Yom is somebody went to Mikveh at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, they have to wait till 6 o'clock at night. Here we consider it like a long Tivul Yom, which means she went to the Mikveh on day 14, she's fine. Uh, but she's still not ready to bring Korbanot yet. She cannot bring the Korban until day 81. So technically she has to wait till day 80, till the sunset of day 80. That's already now she's considered Ha'idev Shemesh, and so therefore the sunset, day 81, she brings her Korbanot. Okay, that's the simple case that we're discussing over here. Now we want to know a little more complicated case. There's two cases that we have to try to analyze to see how, what the deen is going to be. Let's say you have a case that a lady also gave birth, she had a, a girl, 14 days, very good. And now what happened, <coughs> in the 66 days of her dam toar, she got pregnant again, but unfortunately she had a miscarriage. The halakha says that if the fetus was already 40 days old, and even though she miscarries, it's considered as if it's a birth, and therefore she would have to bring a korban for that birth as well. So the Gemara is going to say, that since she gave birth to this miscarriage within the frame of the 66 days, before she was obligated to bring the korban for the first birth, so therefore she can, so to speak, kill two birds with one stone, which means she'll be, to be able, excuse me, to bring the korban on, well, not day 81, she'll have to wait out until she finishes her, her, her days, but on the final day, whenever she's finished, she'll be able to bring one korban for both, Situation. She can bring the Qurban for the first birth, and she can bring the Qurban also for the miscarriage. And that's what the Gibran says over here. Detanya, we have a brighter Yom Melot Tavi. Which means, if let's say she had the miscarriage on the completion day. Completion day, which is on day 81. Day 81 is too late. Because once day 81 comes, she's obligated to bring a Qurban already. So the Hayu of the Qurban for the first pregnancy is on her already. So she had a miscarriage on day 81, just to bring. Which is to me already two sets of korbanot. However, toch melot. But if she gave birth this miscarriage within the days, which is within the 66 days, lotavi, she doesn't have to bring. She's already able to bring one korban. 
to take care of both situations. The logic being, since the hayyub, the korban of the first pregnancy, is not on her yet, so therefore, so long as it's not on her yet, then she has another one tacked on. So therefore, she can bring one to cover both. Yachol, lo tavi aleda shelifne melot, aval tavi aleda shelachar melot, vetipateh mishtehen, tamud domar, ubimlot yeme tahora. Beyom melot tavi, toch melot lo tavi. Now the Baraita gives you another case. Let's review. So far we had two cases. The Baraita now is bringing me a third case. The first case was a simple case. 14 days, she went to the Mikveh, day 81. We say that she has to bring Korbanot. That's a simple case. That's a Torah's case. The Gemara's first case was she gave birth on, she gave birth 14 days, she went to the Mikveh. Within the 66 days she had a miscarriage. The Hadush of the Gemara is that she only has to bring one Korban to take care of both obligations. Now the Gemara brings a third case, which is a little more complicated. She gave birth three times in this case. She gave birth to regular birth, very nice. She gave birth to a girl, 14 days later, she goes to the mikveh, everything's nice. Within the 66 days, they met the Dam Tohar days over there, let's say on day, whatever it may be, 64, however you want to say, she gave birth, I mean she had a miscarriage. Okay, good. So it's similar to the case number two. But the case gets a little more confusing, why? Because then, 64 days later, she had another miscarriage. Now, albeit the second birth, which is the first miscarriage, is within Melot of the first pregnancy. However, the third, or the second miscarriage, while it's not within Melot of the first pregnancy, it's within Melot of the second miscarriage. You see, so they're, uh, they're overlapping each other. You see, one and two overlap, and two and three overlaps, although one and three doesn't overlap. So the Gemara wants to know, how do you consider that case over there? If so long as they're within Melot of each other, could you get away with one Qurban for all of them? Or do you say, no, maybe, maybe for the, the first two that overlap each other, fine. So you can bring one Qurban, but maybe number three, you have to bring a seven Qurban, because it's not within Melot of the... First one. So that's the Gemara's question, the Brayta. I'll read that inside for you. The Gemara says, Yachol, I'm reading part of the Brayta again. Netanya, I'm reading again. I shall read the whole Brayta again. Yom Melot Tavi. If she gave birth to miscarriage on day 81, that's Yom Melot, the completion day. Once she's already to bring a Korban, she's Hayavit a Korban on that day. Tavi, she has to bring a separate Korban. However, Toch Melot, Lotavi, if it's within the middle, which is in the 84 days, or the 81 days, actually they, within the 66 days, she does not have to bring. However, maybe I'll say in a case where there was three pregnancies, a pregnancy and two miscarriages, maybe she won't have to bring on the second one because it's considered lefne melot, but she'll have to bring on the third one because it's lehachal melot of the first one. And therefore, she'll, she'll be patumi, she'll have to bring uh, two korbanot. So we can quote the pasuk on the completion of the days of Tara. At the end of the day, it's still toch melot, it's still within. I don't care if it's not within the first pregnancy, so long as it's within the second pregnancy, it's okay. Because bottom line, so long as the hayyub of korban did not come on her yet, she only has to bring one Kuban. Let's speak it out. After she went to the Mikveh for 14 days. Okay, now of a sudden, in the interim, within the 66 days, she gave birth again. Miscarriage. She cannot, she's not obligated to bring Kurbanot yet. Because now she has to start counting further. So the Hayyub of Kurban for the first pregnancy never hit her. 
Right? Now already she has a second korban on her. Now already within those 66 days she gave birth again a miscarriage. But no korban was on her yet. No hayuv was on her yet. Because as long as she's not finished the tahara stage, she cannot bring any korban on So technically you have a situation where she went through three pregnancies and she can get away with only bringing one korban on the final day of Milot. So that's the Gemara's facts. Now before we get to the analysis, let's just review our facts. The facts are again, that a gay lady that gives birth within the 66 days, since there was no chayyub of korban for the first pregnancy, because that chayyub doesn't come from day 81, she gave birth within day 66, within the 66 days, again, 14 plus 66, that's 81. So she gave birth, for example, on day 64. There's no chayyub of korban yet, it didn't hit her, the korban doesn't hit till day 81. So therefore, once the, she finishes counting for the second pregnancy, she can bring one korban for both. And not only that, the Hadush is that even if there was three pregnancies, and what, they're all uh, overlapping uh, each other. So the Hadush is that since there was no Hayyuf Qurban yet for any of them, because the Hayyuf did not hit because she got pregnant again, she gave birth again, she had to wait till the, wait it out. So therefore the Hadush should only bring one Qurban for all these situations. Now what does the God do with anything with Hayyuf Shemesh? We didn't get to that yet. Now we start. Comes the and says, Amar Avkana, Avkana says, Shani hachad mehasra korban. Oh, Rav Kana is trying to explain this. What's the reason over here for all this business? Because she's mehasra korban. So long as the hayyub of korban does not come on her, so therefore, and then she gets pregnant again, but there was no hayyub korban on her, she gets pregnant again, so long as there's no hayyub korban on her at any point, she can get away with bringing one korban at the end of her complete possible. Basically what Afghanistan is coming to say is like, my ta'ama, what's the reason for this halakha? The reason for this halakha is because she is mi'usirat korban. Because since the korban never hit on her, so therefore she can uh, get away with one korban towards the end. So comes Gebran says, what do you mean? Gebran says, Atam shemesh. Oh, here's we get to our point now. But what do you mean she's lacking ha'irif shemesh? And what does it mean she's lacking ha'irif shemesh? According to the way I explained it to you, this question does make, makes no sense. Why? The Gibra says she's missing Ha'ir of Shemesh. What's the case of she's missing Ha'ir of Shemesh? Well, let's, uh, let's say the case the way I explained it to you. She went to the Mikveh after 14 days. That's the Allah She goes to the Mikveh after 14 days. When did she bring a Korbanot? She brings a Korbanot on day 81. So technically, when is the Ha'ir of Shemesh? I told you it's one long Tibulyom, right? When is the Ha'ir of Shemesh technically come? On the night of 80. So the night of 80 already she's considered uh, So therefore, we don't understand this question of the Gevara when the Gevara's question is, she needs Ha'idev Shemesh. What are you talking about? According to where we're understanding it, she has Ha'idev Shemesh, which means, why are you telling me that what? That on, uh, on, on day, uh, if, she, if she gave birth within, let's say, before uh, day 81, you're telling me what? She's considered uh, within the time. And therefore, she doesn't bring a uh, she doesn't bring a uh, 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 two korbanot. But if she gave birth on day eighty one, she has to bring two korbanot, two separate korbanot. So the Gemara is saying, "What are you talking about? You, you still have she's not she's she not out of the woods yet. She's not finished yet. Why? Because she can't bring korbanot. She needs Ayin of Shemesh. What do you mean she needs Ayin of Shemesh? She has Ayin of Shemesh already. Doesn't make sense to give her question. She has Ayin of Shemesh the night before. What you, wait, the, I'll explain it to you again. The Gemara is trying to ask a question over here. You told me a rule. I'll explain it to you very clearly. You told me a rule. Day 81, if she gave birth on that day to miscarriage, too late. The hayyub of the korban is on her already from the first pregnancy. Now she has to bring a separate korban for the miscarriage. Good. 81, it's over. Too late. Comes to give says, why is it too late? She still needs Yadif Shemesh. Which means she still has to wait until sunset. 
So she starts to wait till sunset. The Hayyub Korban is not on her yet because she's not finished yet. She has to wait till sunset. So I'm asking you, what are you talking about? I don't understand this Gemara's question. The sunset was the night before. The sunset was the day 80. She has sunset already. On day 81, sunset took place already. So you have to learn that the case is a different case. The Rosh speaks this out. The case is talking about a case where for some reason the lady did not go to the Mikveh on day 14. Why didn't she go to the Mikveh on day 14? She didn't. When did she decide in her brain to go to the Mikveh? On day 81. Oh, so on day 81, technically, now you have a case. She went to the Mikveh on day 81. Even though that's normally her Korban day, but now that she decided to go to the Mikveh, she technically still has a deen of Hedev Shemesh. She has to wait till the 81st at night, and technically she cannot bring a Korbanot until the next day, till the 82nd. So the Kabbalah is asking a question. What are you talking about? In that case, in that case where she went to the Mikveh on 81, you told me a blanket statement. If she gives birth on 81, two Korbanot. Why? Not in all cases. In the case where she went to the Mikveh on day 81, she's not Chayef to be a Korban, because she doesn't have Hedev Shemesh yet, so therefore she should get away with bringing... One Qurban, because bottom line, the Hayyub of the first Qurban is not on her. So that's the question the Gemara asks. So that the Gemara answers in the name of Abaye, which is the key to our point. Amale Abaye Shimsha Mimela Arba. He says, ah, don't ask me a question from the head. And that comes automatically. We don't, 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 don't think that that's, that that's hindering anything. The Hayyub Shemesh comes Mimela, therefore it's as if it came already. And therefore, once she gives birth on day 81, even though she didn't have the Ayyub Shemesh yet, it's like the Ayyub Shemesh happened. Because it can happen automatically. Therefore, she has to bring two separate Korbanot. So let's review this outside, which is the place of it, just for clarity in, this, uh, in the last subya. We started off with a piece with Rabbi Menunah. Rabbi Menunah came along and made a statement. He said, you should know something. There's a type of Tum'ah called Tum'at Tehom. Tum'at Tehom basically is a Tum'ah that's not revealed to anybody. Nobody knew there was a grave there. Nobody knew it existed. It's, it's buried somewhere in a wall somewhere. It's only revealed much later on oh, that there was a Tum'ah there. That's called Tum'at Tehom. There's a certain leniency by Tum'at Tehom. And Rabbi Menunah said, by a case of a Nazir. A Nazir that accepted upon himself 30 days of Nizirut. Okay, he's allowed to do that, nothing wrong with that. But in the interim, he became Tameh. Oh, he became Tameh, reset. He has to now count seven days. Why does he have to count seven days? Because he has to purify himself with the Paraduma. He sprinkles himself on day three, he sprinkles himself on day seven. Right? And of course, he goes to the Mikveh. We're talking about a case as well that he took his haircut. Because before he starts his new Nizirut, he has to take a haircut to get rid of the Tameh hair and start again his Nizirut. So he took his haircut, right? And then he starts his Nizirut again. On the 30th day of his new Nizirut, he, they come and tell him, oh, by the way, you, got, you, know, you should know, on day 7 when you were purifying yourself, after you took your haircut, you should know you got Tameh Tehom. Oh, Tameh Tehom? There was a grave over there where, you, where, where, where the Mikveh was. Rabbi Menunah says, since already he went to the Mikveh, and he took his haircut, he has a Hizkat Tahara, Tum'at Tehom is not going to affect his Hazakah of Tahara. Good. So the Gemara's uh, uh, question was, Masha'inkin, however, if let's say he got Tamer, Tehom, before he took his haircut, uh, before he took his haircut, so then already, uh, since he has a Hizkat Tum'ah, so therefore the Tum'at Tehom is going to uh, get him. And the Gemara said, similarly to a case of Korban Pesah. Let's talk about the case of Korban Pesah. Guy has to be in Korban Pesah on the 14th of Nisan. Seven days before that, he became Tamer Met. Then he came to Mehmet, what's going to happen? He's got to wait seven days now. He's got to sprinkle himself on the third day. He's got to sprinkle himself on the seventh day. On the seventh day, he went to the Mikveh like he's supposed to. Very nice. After the Mikveh, somehow he got Tameh with Tumata Tehum. Okay? Now they tell him, oh, by the way, you're Tameh Tumata Tehum. They tell him, bring your Kermit Pesah anyway. You're okay. Why? Because you have Hizkat Tahara. 
came out by Yinsa. Why does he have a chaskat ta'ala? He needs a Yerev Shemesh. Till the sun sets, he doesn't have a Yerev Shemesh, he doesn't have a chaskat ta'ala, the chawra, the tumat tehum should get him. So the Gemara says, ah, tumat tehum comes automatically. What do you want? Tumat tehum, that's as if it happened already. And Abayya conceded to that sevara. And how do we say Abayya conceded to that sevara? Because later on, we saw in the Braitha, he asked, they asked the question, on a lady that what? She gave birth to when it came out. It's on day 81 now. On day 81, she has to be korbanot for the first uh, birth. She had a miscarriage on that day. We said, oh, miscarriage, too late. You've got to be two korbanot now. You have to be a korban for the first one and korban for the second one. So the Gemara says, what are you talking about? She still didn't have Yerev Shemesh yet, which means technically she's not high after me in Kurban yet, because she still has to wait until sunset of the 81st day. So therefore, how can you tell me that her Hayyuv is there? Gemara says, Abayek comes along, out of all people, Abayek comes along and says, No, Yerev Shemesh happens Mimela. And therefore, on day 81, since she's just waiting for it, it's like it happened already. Therefore, her Hayyuv is there. Therefore, when she gives birth on that day, it's considered a second Hayyuv, therefore, she would have to bring. To Korban. So you see, Abayir retracted from his original Savannah, and he indeed holds it. And if Shemesh is an automatic case, you see it from the case of the Baruch Adonai Amen. Amen.